If you could create one powerful change at work, what would it be? Would you change the way oncologists view your role and develop a successful head and neck cancer program for patients before, during, and after their treatment? Maybe you would change the way your clinical director values your services and gets them to approve funding for tools and continuing education the same way they fund PT and OT. Or maybe you would change the way oral care and thickened liquids are managed at your facility and be the reason behind reducing rates of aspiration pneumonia thanks to the protocols you implement. Whatever the change may be, I have good news. You can make it happen in the next six months. You're invited to join the Changemakers Collective, a strategic mentorship program starting this June. I'm looking for medical SLPs who want to make some serious change at work or in their community, the kind of change that has a ripple effect. Throughout the six-month program, you'll develop a tangible goal and receive step-by-step guidance to achieve that goal. Don't have a specific goal in mind yet, but know that something needs to change. Our mentors can help you iron out the details. This includes 18 group mentor calls for advanced ASHA CEUs, templates, a private community, and high-touch support for high-level goals. Go to www.medslpcollective.com forward slash changemakers to learn more. Again, that's www.medslpcollective.com forward slash changemakers. On this episode of the Swallier Pride podcast, we have a wonderful married SLP couple, uh, Leon and Athanasia, who goes by Anna uh, Daly, or Leon Daly and Athanasia Spenning. Leon is an SLP certified by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. He received his master's degree from the University of Central Florida, where he participated in research validating outcome measures for patients with dysphagia. The majority of Leon's experience is in acute care, providing skilled evaluation and management of swallowing disorders. He has worked with a variety of populations at nationally ranked hospitals across the country, including the Cleveland Clinic and Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. He has a special interest in Parkinson's disease, acid reflux, presbyphagia, and strokes. And his wonderful wife, Athanasia, is an SLP certified by ASHA as well. She received her master's degree from Central Florida, University of Central Florida, where she conducted research focusing on familial inclusion and speech therapy management. The majority of Anna's experience is in acute care, providing skilled evaluation and management of swallowing disorders. She's worked with a variety of populations at nationally ranked hospitals across the country, including Cleveland Clinic, UCSF Medical Center, New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia University Irving Medical Center. Anna has taken special interest in dementia, strokes, acid reflux, Parkinson's disease, and patients with tracheostomies requiring ventilator support. She has been recognized for ASHA. She has been recognized by ASHA for her clinical excellence and is a recipient of the Distinguished Early Career Professional Award and Award for Continuing Education. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders and founder of the MetaSLP Collective and MetaSLP Education. This podcast is dedicated to delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere, while also recognizing that medical SLPs everywhere are doing the best with what they've got. Whether you are a new clinician seeking tangible tools for therapy or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is simple, to help you advance your practice without feeling overwhelmed or underappreciated. This means that together we'll build confidence, broaden your knowledge, and reignite your passion for our field. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride and be open to new ideas because at the end of the day, you and your patients deserve that kind of support. With that, let's dive in. 
Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. All right. Hello, my friends. Hello. Hello. I am so excited. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited for this episode. We have a, a dynamic duo here. We have, are you guys married? Sorry, is that a personal question? Not no. a personal question. Ask away. <laughs> We're in the process. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. January 27th, but. Okay. We have an, yeah. an, a wonderful SLP couple that I love having <laughs> SLP couples on. So they'll be getting married soon. Uh, so we have Leon Daly and his beautiful fiance, Athanasia. So we wanted to say her formal name. She goes by Anna to her patients and colleagues. Okay. Do you guys want to tell the people who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Leon Daly. As you mentioned, I'm a speech language pathologist specializing in swallowing disorders. Um, I've worked at a few different acute care hospitals, um, acute trauma centers. I did a little bit of travel speech therapy after graduating with my master's, kind of hitting all four corners of the U.S., and then decided to put down some roots back in Florida, and where we started daily dysphagia diagnostics, um, which initially started as solely a mobile fees business, but it's kind of expanded to be a little bit more than that, and obviously we'll talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. My name is Anna Spenning or Athanasia, whichever. Uh, I'll go, I'll take either, but I am also a speech language pathologist. My trajectory has been very similar to Leon's. We actually both met at the University of Central Florida's NISLA uh, as undergraduates and we went to grad school together, all that good stuff. I, the, the crux of my experience is also in acute care. I did a little bit of inpatient rehab working in a variety of different trauma facilities, uh, levels one and two, sort of all over the country to doing travel work, a little bit with lung transplants, but I, w- I didn't hit all the corners like Leon did. I hit three corners <laughs> uh, of the U.S. And now we're back in South Florida. Uh, I grew up in this area and I always knew growing up that there was a speech pathology need. And I knew I've been wanting to be a speech pathologist since I was in seventh grade. It's been, it's been a long journey. And now here we are with our mobile fees business. And I couldn't ask for a better partner in business than in life. And we're out here, I think, just trying to offer these services to the people we know need them in the community that has been so needed for so long. And also being a resource for people who want to get into the medical world of speech language pathology and sort of open the, their horizons, I guess, when it comes to the opportunities that are accessible to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I said a little bit off the air, you know, I just, I love everything you guys are doing. Just, I, I love getting to know SLPs that are really doing things creatively outside the box, but just the mission of helping patients and just, you know, really wanting to do the right thing for this field. So thank you guys so much for coming on. So where should we start? Where do you guys want to start in talking about your journey? I think to be honest, let's just start with the groundwork, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think this is right before COVID hit. We were just interested, floating the idea around like, oh, what if we don't have fees here? What if we just started fees? And we realized how much of an uphill battle it was just to even get it introduced to a hospital setting. We were living in Orlando at the time. Correct. Uh, so this is before we were doing any travel work or anything. And obviously in the time of COVID, it was a hot topic. Fees being an aerosolized procedure and in our area, it wasn't the most, it wasn't very widely used fees. A lot of the time in the acute care setting, they're, they were using primarily video swallow studies and video fluoroscopy. So we were, we would talk about fees, but like Leon was saying, it, it was, gets shot down pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but it still 
sparked that passion. Like, what if, what if, what if? And then I think that's where we talked about like starting the business together. Mm -hmm. So right before COVID really hit, we went and did like a lot of the groundwork, getting the LLC and doing all the nitty gritty stuff that seems completely way over our heads. But we had a lot of guidance from great mentors like yourself that helped push us in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your guys' experience with fees before starting this. Had you guys both been fees trained, like doing it in your in, in acute care? Did, did you understand the value of it? And you were just shocked to see that it wasn't accessible other places. I'm always curious of people's pathways to that. Yeah. So we always knew the value of it yeah. from our education and just the continue, continuing ads. But we had actually scheduled a, a basic course to do fees, but then COVID hit. And then that had to be canceled. So at the time when we had first started traveling, we didn't really have much, much like hands-on experience with fees and working with and working with the scope or anything. Uh, and it wasn't until we finally did our basic course and then we went back to the hospitals we were working at and they already had, fee, at least in my, my facility that I was working at, they already had fees established there. So they were saying, you know, you already got signed off on all of these things. And luckily I was in a very supportive environment at that specific hospital that even as a traveler, they were saying, you know what, you got signed off. Let's get you the experience. Let's get you moving. Let's get you grooving. Like, I think because they also knew that this was also a, a long time goal for me as well. And for us, so they were very supportive of that. And which is very not common uh, for a traveler. And that was my experience was doing that, doing fees at that specific facility. And then when we moved down to Florida, I was able to apply all of that experience and knowledge that I had gained from such a supportive environment to our clinical practice. So, and that's, that's led us to other opportunities like mentoring other people when they're starting to work with their basic fees course. And, you know, they say that you've mastered something or you've gained proficiency in it when you're able to teach it to someone else. So I think it's, 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 it's one, one, teach one, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like a mutual advantage, you know, with, with help, having other people to work with. I always, I always thought it was so funny when I started, you know, teaching some of those courses and I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then it's like, once you start teaching people, you're like, Oh, I do actually know what I'm doing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's been nice. And I think that's a big passion of ours too is being able, like I was saying, to be a resource for those who are interested in fees because it is more of a niche, if you want to call it that area mm -hmm. where people are so, at least for me in grad school, I was so gun ho about, I want to work in a hospital, I want to work in a hospital, but then not all hospitals have fees accessible. Right. So you almost like go in thinking one thing, but then, and you could end up leaving, not with that experience that you were hoping or wanting. I was also going to mention that I think initial passion was fees, but then as we really started yeah. to get our feet dirty in the journey, <laughs> a lot of our passion shifted toward being an advocate for other SLPs that mm -hmm. I, I hate to say it, but in the field, sometimes we may not be the most welcoming, not, not trying to make generalizations, but yeah, yeah, can be the case where there's an aspect of gatekeeping that shouldn't exist. Let's, the knowledge is there. Let's share it. Let's all be better together. Cause it's not about me as an individual. It's not mm -hmm. about Athiana as an individual. It's about the patient, their quality of life, their outcomes at the end of the day. Well, and that, and that honestly was like really the impetus between me starting all the, the work I did in fees too, is that it's not 
it's not about the SLP or about the facility, but it's about the patient. And if we have a tool that can get the patient answers that they need to help them swallow, help them against adverse health outcomes, why would we not use this tool? And I think it's just, it stinks when some people don't see it or appreciate it for what it is because maybe they didn't have a patient population that it was used for. So then in those situations, it's like, well, don't knock something that you don't know that patients had needed. Correct. And I think a big hurdle for us as well has been educating providers that aren't familiar with fees. I think that working in larger cities, having had the experience of working in larger cities, Mm -hmm. doctors are so much more willing to be open to fees and learning about it as a quote unquote new procedure. But it's sometimes as, you know, budding business owners, it can be a little bit hard to get our foot in the door to even speak with the doctor about the benefits of this and how this is different than some other like gastro procedures and talking, you know, just showing them pictures and just providing the education. But sometimes some doctors aren't so open to that. And we're not here like, bashing video swallow studies whatsoever. There's a time and a place for both instrumental assessments. And that's exactly what we tell them, you know, because some of them are so familiar with the video swallows. They just want to stick with that. But like you were saying, if there's another resource, another option that could potentially be more of a sensitive indicator or means of, of testing that can offer this patient some liberalization to their diet and improve quality of life, then why not offer that? And not only that, just guide treatment for the speech pathologist at these facilities. And it can be a little more streamlined too, because coming from the side of doing the modified barium swallow studies for the outpatients in hospitals, we can send the report, but then there isn't that direct connection between the evaluating SLP and the speech therapist over at the facility the patient came from. And I feel like that disconnect just does the patient a disservice, whereas with Maybe I'm correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but with mobile fees, it's we do the procedure. We'll talk to the SLP. We'll find the nurse. We'll talk to them. If there's any staff or CNAs in the building, we can see physically in person. Families. Family, yeah, families too. Yeah. That's a big one. Like they can be there for the procedure. There's so many benefits and it can be frustrating when you're kind of hit with a little bit of a brick wall from maybe say like upper management or an executive director or what have you. Even a secretary. Even- and we'll call them and they'll just say, oh, I can already tell you the doctor's not going to be interested in a contract. Yeah. And like, well, can we, can we speak with the doctor, yeah. <laughs> please? Yeah. Because, and, that, and it has been the case where we'll talk with them and the doctor is very interested. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's, it's, it's hard to find that uh, you either have people that are very interested or people that are not wanting to talk at all mm-hmm. about about fees because they're just so used to what they already know and they want to stick with that. And I can understand it could be difficult. It could be difficult to change your method of practice if you've been doing it for so long. And I think that's why we have such great resources like the Med SLP Collective to sort of connect with other people who have different experiences and different resources and learn more from each other. And that's exactly the community that we want to build in our company and in our community just around us. I think one of the biggest things for me was like, you know, I think I'd been doing fees for a few years too, but I had gotten to this one facility that they they had found me, actually the SLP found me through the collective, funny enough. 
Really? Um, and the closest hospital to this facility was three hours away. It was this rural, rural, rural facility. Crazy. And they had had patients on thickened liquids that had been on thickened liquids for like two, three years, just because they came from the hospital on thickened liquids two, three years ago and just had never been reevaluated or anything. And so I just went through and just did fees on this. The administrator just gave me this whole list of patients and just said, we need to just figure out what is going on with these patients. I think it was after we got done seeing everybody, only like one or two of them, I'll have to go back and like look through the actual stats, but it was only like one or two of them actually like truly still needed the thick and liquids and all these others didn't. And to me, I was just like, okay, this is the power of fees. Like no, none of these patients would have None of these patients are getting in a van for a three-hour ride to a hospital for a video fluoroscopy. Like, that is not happening. Yeah. (laughs) And so, to me, it was just a whole perspective shift of, like, this is a tool for a population, a specific population that can help them drastically that may not have an opportunity to to be seen otherwise. And and that really just drove me to, like, we have to get this tool out there in more SLPs' hands and make patients understand that this tool is available if they can find SLPs that have it. Correct. Yeah. And that's been our experience as well. Not, not specifically with the thick and liquids. A lot of the time our patients are NPO and peg dependent. Uh, and we're coming in and they've been, they've never had a swallow study done. Some of these, uh, patients, but when we get consulted and everything is totally fine. Like I hate to, like it happens more often than not where it's like she said, drastically modified diets for with mm-hmm. no rationale. No evidence behind it. No instrumental tests done in the past. Uh, and it's, it's, I feel frustrated on behalf of a patient who may not be able to advocate for themselves. And maybe even the family doesn't really know what's going on. Like, Hey, they need this thick and liquid. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Without knowing any of the potential adverse effects, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, I mean, you guys work, you know, PR and acute care and I think, you know, the tough part is like seeing a patient that is really freaking sick, right? Like you'll see a patient that's so sick or, just had a stroke and they're really acutely intensively ill, but then two or three days later, they're a brand new person again. And those are the poor people that just fall through the cracks. You know, they get discharged from the hospital because the hospital's like, oh, they're great. But then they still go to the next level of care with a peg or they never got, you know, a swallow test to even begin with. So, yeah. So it's been a journey. I think I'm very thankful for our clinical background and for, and our foundation, I should say, and the sense that we both have each other to sort of bounce ideas off of, you know, off of each other. If we feel like there is a more complex case that we're working with, it's definitely been a learning curve, managing a lot of the business and insurance side of things, but we're taking it one day at a time. And overall it's enjoyable. I'm, I'm very grateful. Like I said, for the clinical foundation that we have, if we didn't have that, then I feel like we would really be drowning (laughs) and you know, everything, but there's always more to learn and more to more ways to grow. And and so we're happy with that. We're, we're doing well with that overall. Yeah. I love that. All right. So yeah, let's, let's talk more about the business. Like let's talk about, you know, what are some roadblocks? What are some things that, you know, you had to encounter that you weren't expecting? Let's get into the nitty gritty. So there are other mobile providers in the area. And uh, like I was saying, we try to establish a great supportive community around, you know, around the South Florida region. region. Yeah. And I think that a, a big part of it, not only are we having a hard time getting our foot in the door with specific, with doctors, but it could be a hard time even with executive directors at certain facilities. Uh, so, and sometimes when we do get talking with these executive directors, 
they'll say, oh, we're very, very interested, but we already have an exclusive contract with another company. So it's almost teetering on like educating them to say that legally mobile providers can't offer exclusive contracts to facilities. Again, like at the end of the day, we all obviously want to do well in this, in our businesses and our services that we're providing. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the crux and the mission of what we do is for the patient. So I'm not going to tell someone or tell a company or a facility that we're the only provider you could ever use. I find that to be such a disservice to the patient. I think we both, we both do. And that's been a big roadblock for us is speaking to the executive directors and letting them know that they have other resources that are available to them and that we're all because we're coming out to you and offering the services that mean that you can't use the other service that you've already been using. This is just an additional means of providing these dysphagia services that could reduce your operational costs, decrease hospitalization risk, you know, just all these additional benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of it too, it it comes down to just like, it can come down to like just a personality fit sometimes. Like sometimes some people just don't jive, like some facility might work better with another company or another company work might work better with another company. But also too, there's, you know, there was COVID going on. There's like, you know, people have medical things come up and to just what drives me insane is if someplace has like an exclusive contract, they call that company and they can't come out because they don't have a provider available that day or somebody's sick or they had a sick kid. And so it's like, to me, you should just be able to go down the Rolodex and say, oh, okay, well, let me call this company. But one of the biggest like perspective shifts for me was when I sort of like got to know the people in the neighboring towns from me. And we just became just such a collaborative support system. Like they would refer the facility to me if they were out sick or vice versa. Like I would get a call and I'd be like, crap, I'm home with my sick kid all week. Like I can't service your facility. Sure. I could be crappy and say, I'll get to you in 10 days, but that's doing the patient a disservice where I could just call a colleague that could drive an hour and, and take care of this patient for me. And I think that if we are truly, truly advocating for patient care, that is what it should come down to. Absolutely. And I just, I think these exclusive contracts are not in the best interest of patient care. And that just drives me bananas. And it's crazy too, because like we learned so much in grad school about the clinical aspect, but then once you get into trying to dabble into the business aspect of things, like it's, it takes a lot of gumption to go to an executive director and say, you cannot have an exclusive contract, like finger waving at them, but you kind of have to. Like we're, we're looking for the patients here and we're looking to save you guys at the end of the day. It's just one additional resource. Like let's just all be collaborative work together and everybody yeah. wins. Like there yeah, are no yeah. losers at the table when it comes to this, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's been one of the barriers. So I think it, in terms of just educating, I think the executive directors on that and then speaking with the doctors credentialing with the insurance companies. Absolutely. So that was another little bit of a segue because I think initially we were strictly mobile fees, mobile fees, mobile fees, but there's still such a need beyond that to where there are patients that might just need additional speech language pathology services that might include swallowing, but it might not include swallowing. And Mm -hmm. how do we navigate that? So a lot of what we're doing now is um, so credentialing with Medicare and different insurance providers that can help the patients in our area. We just want to be the best we can be for them. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
I think what you realize too is once you get out there, like it's sort of like we're in our own little competitive bubble with each other for some unknown reason. But then once you get out there, you're like, holy crap, there are so many patients that need us. Yeah, exactly. Like there are like I actually read a study and I've been I've been wanting to to write more about it, but one in six people has dysphagia. And only one in three will actually pursue treatment about it. And so I'm curious about that other three. Is it because they don't know that we exist? Is it because they don't have access to us? Like, why are we only seeing 50% of people that actually have dysphagia? Yeah. And I think we do a real disservice by not getting out there and and offering our services in the way that we can. And, and, and I'm also, you know, I'm all about career fulfillment too. And if, if private practice, if a mobile company feels really good to you, then go do the thing, you know? Yeah. So I, I love, you know, what you guys are doing and just expanding and helping the patients just because they need it and you're capable of providing those services. And thank you. And for the record, to speak to that competitive bubble, you were saying, we both aren't really competitive people. And I think that again, just speaks to the community that we want to have with other professionals within the area, not only in South Florida, but beyond that too. Like we we've connected with students at university of central Florida. We talk with NISA on a regular basis to offer that resource to them and show them a little bit more about the medical world with speech language pathology. It's kind of like they're the next generation. So let's like yeah. bring them into the flock with like open arms and kindness. Yes. And yes. Yeah. And, and we have no problem like referring patients to other like speech pathologists might be better suited. And I think that's also a big part of like having your own practice is also knowing that you're not going to specialize in everything. Like I have a patient who right now would benefit from an AAC device. I, I'm being honest. I know a little bit about AAC, but do I know enough to implement an eye gaze device or eye tracking? No, I don't. So I'm calling another speech pathologist to help me out with this patient who can inter- help introducing and assessing because I know that I might not be the best resource. And I think that comes, I think that having a, on your own private practice comes with a little bit of humility too and being able to recognize again, like, coming back to that mission of this is for the patient at the end of the day. It's not about my ego. It's not about the money at this point. This is about getting the patient to be able to communicate thoughts and wants and needs. And if I could be a part of that journey, then I'm better off for it. Too, it's just, it's it's the people you meet a lot. Like I'm, I'm just really in this phase of my life where I'm just like, I want to meet all the cool people. Like I just, I want to like, I want to know people that just like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to tactfully say this, that like nobody knows, like just because they maybe not are out, they're not out on social media or they don't have a big like online presence or something, but they're really freaking smart and they do really amazing work. Like those are the people that I truly want to get to know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, there, it leads me to my, the next barrier, <laughs> social media presence. Speaking yeah. of which, I feel like we fit into that box, um, but in the sense of learning about marketing and like, I have, we have a very good friend who used to be in like the marketing world of of healthcare. So she would help with like coordinating uh, Instagram posts and creating the captions and creating, you know, all the content. And I'll send her some things that I create. And she, now I just let her tell me yay or nay. But then 
I think I get so bogged down in being like so perfectionistic. Like I want it to look perfect and I want it to look good. And it's a representation of us. But sometimes but, you just got to breathe and not, let the content be the content. I, I yeah. know. Yeah. And I, and I, I know, I know that. I think it's just a matter of Except like this. just, yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of, I, sometimes I'll look at like my pictures that I post and then I'll look at my actual face on the camera and I'm like, okay, this is Instagram versus reality. Yeah. Like this is not real life right here. But it's, yeah. but it's, it's a lot like I'm, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't learn about like how to market. We didn't learn about like, you know, the nuances of how often you should be posting, what your schedule should be like posting. Uh, you know, are these pictures good of us? Like, are we, are we showing our face enough? It's, it's just, I think it's like, again, a whole different world. And on top of that, it's just Leon and I. So we're wearing all the hats. Like we're the endoscopists. We're the, you know, the co-owners were the social media managers, you know, we're, we wear everything on top of that. We're also planning a wedding. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's, oh my God. Lot. Yeah. I think that was the most time consuming thing in my whole life. Yeah, so, it's, yes. it's a lot, you know, but it's all good things and it's all things that we both have been wanting for a long time. So it's not coming from a place of frustration. It's we're all things that we're very grateful for. It's just that we're keeping busy. Things are, things are yeah. steady. Yeah. So it's all, all good things. Like you were saying earlier, there's so many people doing so many cool things. Like it's such like a niche area. Like even on social media, there are speech therapists that like specialize in like speech therapy marketing. I'm just like I'm amazed by these people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I could never, but I'm so appreciative for all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, but I think that's like what it, what is so cool. Like we all need each other, right? Like you need to be a good clinician. You need to be a good marketer. Like we need to find the people together. Like, and, and I think that's, I wish more people sort of understood the whole big picture of it, right? Like you drumming up more attention, more business for our field and you being able to service them. We really truly need each other. Like it, it is an ecosystem that has to coexist. And yeah, that's a good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about like, I, I'm really curious and like, what is, what is your big picture vision? Like what, what do the dailies want to conquer in life? Like, what do you guys, yeah. That has a beautiful yeah. ring to it. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm so, that, I'm, I was assuming you were taking his name and I apologize. No, if no, no, listening. no. I think, I think okay. I might be hyphenating. I am, I am published. So that's, that's yeah. the reason why I'm thinking of like, at least holding on to the spending yeah. aspect of things. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I think our big picture overall uh, would be to, I think, be known providers. And I think we have our own individual professional goals. And then we have our goals that we want to achieve professionally together, mm-hmm. which I think is a beautiful way of like summing up our relationship. But, it, but it's important though. Like, even though yeah. we are doing this together, and I love that we're doing this together. I don't want it, it to be our sole identity. Like, there are things you're passionate about, interested in as an yeah. individual and vice versa. I know for me, I know we both want to be known as like these providers and speech pathologists in, in the state of Florida. I think that we have, we have toyed around with the idea of going outside of Florida as well. Uh, but that's still, we're still in the very early stages of where we are in our business. So it's something that we're really tackling at the moment. Manifest it. Yeah. But we're manifesting it now. We have it on recording. Um, <laughs> so on top of that, from a, from my personal standpoint, I would like to pursue my BCSS, I would like to have a little bit more of a foothold in research with dysphagia 
and working alongside a university. And like I said, I think we touched on this briefly already. I know Leon was talking about how some of the environments aren't the most supportive going into the medical world of speech pathology when you're first starting out. And having worked in the same facility, multiple facilities before, Leon definitely sees it happening like, like almost like with me with other females versus him with other people. So I don't know if it's like a female competition thing that other people might, I don't know, but he definitely notices a difference in how speech pathologists, medical speech pathologists could have a reaction to a newer clinician when we both have the same experience, both have the same education, you know, and I don't know if this is any, I don't know if this is taboo or what have you. Basically, I just want to say that that Leon, as a male in this field, notices that there is a little bit of a competitive nature with certain speech language pathologists, and it could be it can come off as not being the most supportive. And it's gone to a point for me personally where I've contemplated leaving the field, contemplated just completely changing my career path altogether, just because I felt so unsupported, um, and I felt like as to use your words on like a dysphagia island, even though I wasn't working in a sniff. I, I would try to collaborate, but then it was, it wasn't really met with, um, met as receptively. Correct. And I, I was, and I, the thing was, especially as a brand new clinician, obviously I'm going to have questions, but if I keep getting shot down every time, I'm not, I'm not going to feel as inclined to ask questions. I'm just going to do my own research and I'm going to find my own resources that are outside of the hospital. So I just want to be a resource that, that I didn't have when I was, a budding clinician. And I want, like I said, to have a presence, I think at a university with, with student clinicians. And I would love to be involved in research more. I tend to, uh, I like to talk and I like to eat. So I'm in the right Mm -hmm. fields. I know that. I know. That's what I said. It's like, what we do is so like, I can't think of anything else that impacts quality of life more than what we do. Yeah. There is nothing. I will fight you. There is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But that's, and that's also what I tell uh, the students that we speak with when we talk about just dysphagia and everything, I know we all come from so many different cultures and backgrounds, but at the end of the day, it's like the great unifier. The great unifier is food and community around these traditional cuisines, you know, whether it's at a wedding or a birthday or like a, ch- a mother and baby, you know, a newborn child in their first moments together, you know, I, it's so important that I don't think people realize just how universal it is until it's brought to their attention. They think like, like you said, oh, wow, like it really has a drastic impact. That's basically it. People just aren't aware, I think, of what speech pathology does. And then when you think of full picture, they aren't aware of that. You know what I mean? Until it's brought to their attention. But again, this is what I was going to say before. I tend to be long-winded, so I okay. apologize. <laughs> We're here for it. Anything you want to add to that, Leon? It's 100% accurate. I think no matter what walk of life you come from, like it's going to be the same thing. You're going to still want to have the same involvement with familial meals, with just gent- simple communication. So many things that like we touch upon that are detrimental to human life, you know? I love yeah. about our field. Truly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I want to help someone communicate. I want to help someone say, I love you. I want to help someone eat a meal with their family. Yeah. That is, that is what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You guys have any, any final thoughts, anything else we did not touch on? Nothing I can really think of right now. We will be at ASHA this year. 
So we are, we are presenting on burnout. Yay. Oh, good. I mean, not yay for presenting on burnout. <laughs> yay, yay for burnout. presenting. <laughs> <laughs> but we are presenting on that. It's on Friday. I have to look okay. at the specific time, but if anyone is, and by the time this airs, I'm not sure when it will, but if any, if anyone will be listening before Asha, we would love to meet you when we're there. And yeah, we would, like I said, want to create a community. Yeah. So yeah. love it. I love it. I love your guys' mission. I love everything you stand for. I love all the tangents we've gone on. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to bring you on because I just, like I said, I just love people that are just doing the thing and helping the patients and just doing it all for the right reason. So thank you so much, you guys, and and keep doing it. And I hope you just make a huge splash in Florida and and beyond. And good luck with wedding planning. I don't wish that upon anyone. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us yeah. and for even considering us being on here. What an honor. And that's a wrap for this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email list so that you'll never miss another episode. If you do like what you hear, then please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.